Hi, I'm David Pogue. Welcome to the RV Navigator Podcast, your digital home for the RVing lifestyle. Visit the RV Navigator homepage at rvnavigator.com for additional information about each episode. And now, here are your hosts, Ken and Martha, podcasting from their mobile studio that might be parked in a campground near you. Hello, dear listeners. We are podcasting to you from our mobile RV studio that might be parked in a campground near you. If you're in Titusville, Florida. Hello, dear listeners, both old and new. Uh, You are listening to newly minted TV stars from the RV Navigator podcast. And what you just heard as our introduction was actually recorded on January 4th, 2019, as we were introducing the CBS Sunday morning crew to making of the RV Navigator podcast. If you know that we used to be teachers, you can probably imagine that we were pretty comfortable (laughs) talking, and certainly our encounter with David Pogue made us even more comfortable to do so. What a lovely, charming man. Uh, He obviously has made a living introducing and interviewing other people, and he did a good job of making us feel comfortable and free to talk about a topic very dear to our hearts, the RV experience and making a podcast. And we hope that you were able to listen on January 20th, 2019 to the CBS Sunday Morning Program, a show that we have been watching for over 30 years. They contacted us and they wanted us to be on the program. And we mentioned that at the end of the last podcast. Because we could hardly believe it. Because we could hardly believe it. It was a cold call. I actually thought it might be a spam when the producer contacted us, but I said, what the heck? And... It was real. And so now, uh, one month later, they have been to our RV site in Florida. They have visited our motorhome. They have had a crew of four who visited us for a full day for the one minute and 11 seconds worth of final product that we saw on January 20th. Bringing by our modest count at least $1,000 worth of equipment to be... 1000 The fees to be paid for checking the equipment onto the plane. Oh, thousands of dollars worth of equipment and the transportation of said equipment. You kind of know because you have... TV has been part of our lives, nearly all of our lives, that there's a lot of work that goes into it and a lot of things that you don't get to see. But even so, it was very impressive to me, all the labor that was involved, the professionalism of all the people involved, and how little there was to show for it when it was finally finished. Well, the whole episode (laughs) or the whole segment was only 5 minutes and 15 seconds or so long, but it was called The Golden Age of Podcasting. And I knew that this was happening, but it really brought to the fore exactly where podcasting fits into the uh, media mail. You. And I thought they did a really great job yes. of ex- explaining what a podcast is, which is something that we still incessantly find ourselves doing yes. to people who have never heard of them before. <laughs> but maybe at this point it's reached the critical mass because of all the advertising that has become associated with podcasts, and they become a part of many people's lives as they have our own. And I think their point about that everybody has a cell phone and everybody has a smartphone and so if you combine the two you have a place to store these pre-recorded radio programs which is the way they described it. Uh, I call it time shifting but in actuality these programs are not, not ever broadcast. They're just downloaded and played on your smartphone and you can listen anytime you want and that's certainly how we started doing podcasts. And so much learning is involved. I think people use those portable media devices today to do a lot of what I would call time-wasting. I'm not opposed to playing a game (laughs) now and again, but they can really suck you in. Before you know it... You're not a Fortnite person? No, although I know people who are. (laughs) Not me. Not me. No, not you. And you can look up and it's an hour later, and and what have you accomplished? I feel like with the podcasts that I choose to listen to, I'm always being educated or learning about something new or informed about what's going on in the world today and I think that's important. Time is a precious thing. I agree. I hate to waste it and I certainly uh, would much rather listen to a podcast than to uh, music because <laughs> music doesn't get me anywhere. Whereas podcasting, I listen to technology podcasts, photography podcasts, RVing podcasts and uh, news podcasts and and whenever I'm doing something that uh, doesn't require a lot of mental acuity, uh, 
I listen to a podcast. And I listen to some that require a great deal of mental acuity. For example, I try to listen to Sprach. I've lost lost all mine. I try to listen to Sprachbar every week. Sprachbar. Which is a less than 10-minute segment in German because I spoke German when I was a small child. And have little opportunity to do so now. (laughs) So you learn. And Well, it keeps the rust out of that part of my Uh, brain. uh Let's put it that way. And you've been learning Spanish. Well, that's not on podcast. Oh, that's that's on the web? That's with Duolingo, yeah. Duolingo. That's a, that's a website. I have no talent for learning a language, so I'll leave this to the navigator to handle. But I was very impressed with the overall professionalism, as we say, and the rest of the the rest of the segment I thought was very interesting also. And we learned a lot from just watching it, even though we were part of the segment. But we were at the low end of the segment because Gimlet obviously has come up from almost nothing. We listened to a podcast called Startup where Alex Bloomberg talked about talked starting, about starting up. up Gimlet and how it got its name and all that sort of stuff. And that was, how many, when, how, when was that? A few years ago. A few ago. years ago. And I hadn't really followed it since we'd listened to Gimlet podcast, but we hadn't heard how the business was going. And he brought with him a natural following from all of the years of work he did on This American Life. Yeah, there were people think, who yeah. knew him and knew of him, uh-huh. and that certainly helped him with his investor base. Which so we've is, done the same thing in the RVing industry, right? We bring with <laughs> A huge investor base. (laughs) As you know, when you watch the show, that we are at the other end, totally non-commercial. And I've had numerous uh, emails since (laughs) the broadcast on the 20th about how do I start a podcast and how do you make money at starting a podcast and and can you make a living at, at doing this? And, of course, our answer is we have no idea. We're not making a living at doing this. We're not this. making a living. We're we, just we, having we, fun. We support this podcast 100%. We don't take any money from anybody, which is what, something we consider to be important because when we say or, or make a comment about something, you know that it's coming from our heart. It may not be true. It may have a, There may be another point of view. And on occasion, I can remember you changing your mind. <gasps> remember when you were all ranting electric. and raving about all electric motor coaches, and now we have one. Hey, and I feel free to do that because I am totally non-commercial and I support this podcast all the podcasts are free to the listeners just like over the air TV is free to watch on your TV but it does cost somebody something to create the podcast so now am I going to be bankrupted by all the new <laughs> listeners that have joined up since oh, that Sunday morning well, that show could, that, that is entirely possible here gang um, on our episode website I'm going to put up a, a little chart that shows that our downloads have about tripled and on Sunday the day that the broadcast was uh, aired, we had over 16,000 downloads and we're lucky to have 16,000 for any single episode, period. And I was astonished, not even mentioned because it wasn't relevant to the topic. I've been keeping a travel blog since I retired where I record the things that we do every day that I think might be of interest to somebody else, especially I get inspired when we travel to new exciting places. And the the readership of my blog on my trip journal also went up fivefold, and it would have taken people some digging to find the link for that from the RV Navigator podcast webpage, but obviously people did. Yes. So after 13 years of doing this podcast, you can imagine that uh, it's become fairly routine how to make the podcast, but we don't know how to make the podcast earn money. So we basically just pay for the podcast out of our ordinary budget, and we uh, we just feel that we are giving back to the RVing community and to you, and we're happy to have you listen and to share with us, and we certainly want to hear from you and, and get emails. And I'm happy to discuss with you the creation of a podcast, but can I tell you how to make money at if, this project? If only. <laughs> Someday, maybe some benefactor will come down and say, I don't want to have any influence over the editorial content, but here's uh, but thousands you, you of dollars. you guys need some more money. Yeah, Here it is. <laughs> so 
Unlike what we saw with the 16 audio booths and uh, 100 employees that Gimlet Gimlet has, uh, we are sitting here, as you saw on the podcast and you heard at the beginning, we are sitting here at our dining room table. Today might sound a little different because it's a little rain gently falling on our roof. And the heat may pop in every once in a while because we don't have a recording studio. And, of course, we're recording this on our regular old desktop computer that is uh, multi-purpose and and orders from Amazon and records uh, pictures and keeps track of all of our finances. And so this is just an ordinary system. Um, so it's actually very inexpensive to get yourself started into podcasting, but the ongoing expenses uh, can add up if you do it in a big way. The communication we've gotten from um, all of you who listened has been gratifying and amazing. People from our distant past lives yes. reappeared that we hadn't heard College from in a year. College roommate from years and years Old ago. Old student of mine. Uh, so that was very fun. And it's clear to me from the applications to our Facebook page that we have a number of new listeners who maybe don't know anything about RVing, but something about that minute and 15 seconds intrigued them <laughs> enough to want to know more. So perhaps in future shows, we will talk more about what I would consider fundamentals of camping and RVing. What kind of rig should I buy? How much money should I spend? Those kinds of questions yeah, what should I look that, for? that we've kind of gotten past because we're busy talking about all of Ken's sophisticated electronic <laughs> purchases. But if you want to hear specific topics, let us know because we're more than happy to sit and chat about them. And as someone suggested, a lot of that stuff is on our earlier podcasts. If you can figure out by the, the titles what we're talking about on that podcast. You might get some good information that's not that current. And one of the things that I'm going to do, I think in the next month, I hope, is I'm going to revamp our webpage a little bit so that it has the topics covered by each of the podcast episodes. Ooh, that'll be a lot of work. Then I guess I won't do it. (laughs) If we we have more rainy days, it'll happen sooner (laughs) rather than later. And cold. Well, we it's can't. Freezing. We can't complain. Oh, yes, we can. It's completely freezing cold down here in, in Florida. It's only 60 degrees today. <laughs> but where we're from, it's going to stay below <laughs> zero day and night, so we cannot complain. It's raining. But one in of the Florida. things we like to do as our beers is chase the 70 degree temperatures because we love to be outside, either doing naturey things or exercise things or just tourist things. And when it's cool and rainy, we'll stay in and work on the podcast index. Index. Okay. That sounds like a, an interesting project, but it, it involves probably more money. Why? Why does it cost more money? Because you're going to have to pay your husband. <laughs> <laughs> I have to hire 100 employees to make this happen. It all comes out of the same pot, my dear. All right. So uh, you have, uh, I'm sure, watched our episode. And if you haven't seen this segment on the uh, live on January 20th, of course, you've missed it now, you can go to the CBS Sunday morning website and click on the link. Or you can click on the link that uh, is on our episode 166 page. And somebody found it on YouTube, too. I don't somebody know found it on how YouTube. it got there. But. So I think if you type in the golden age of podcasting, you'll probably find the link and you can watch your favorite RV Navigator podcasters live see us being interviewed by David Pogue and generally get an idea of how podcasts are made. It's a very interesting segment. And as Martha said, uh, we are we were hosts to David Pogue, a techie guru who I last met in 2001. You were kind of an admirer of his. I was. And we both shared the... There's lots to admire. He's a very this, creative person. The speaker slot at uh, Macworld in San Francisco. I was speaking and he was speaking. Did he remember? No. Did I remember? Yes. yes. I presented him with a copy of the program so that just to prove that we were both there. I was a minor light. He was a major light. But uh, we did enjoy meeting him, and he was very personable, and we had an enjoyable conversation. But he knew nothing about RVing. Shortly Less than nothing. into our interview of him, it was very apparent that this was all brand new to him and something that maybe intrigued him a little bit. Exactly. Traveling around the country with your house. What a great idea, especially for somebody who does a lot of traveling. So with that as an introduction, I think we'll head to the interview right now. 
We have a guest today, and we're a special, we're a special guest. guest, and we're very happy to welcome David to Florida and to the RV Navigator podcast. We don't have a lot of interviews, but uh, I think this is an occasion which we can uh, make an exception and say, "Welcome to the RV Navigator podcast." And so, we want to ask you a few questions about RVing. Wow, <laughs> I think you've got the rules reversed here. I should be asking you questions. So, what's your what's your experience with RVing? Well, I've been in yours for about three minutes. <laughs> and that's it. Okay, so you're not uh, not RV savvy, huh? I'm not RV savvy, but I, I have, have a feeling. I, I have camped as a, as a boy. So we, we make a big distinction between camping and RVing. Okay. And as I think you would, too. One is in a fancy mobile home. This is our lifestyle. The other's in a pup tent with your dad on a rocky ground. Ooh, you must have some good stories about that. Uh, that's pretty much it. It was a pup tent with my no dad on a rocky ground. No, no. My father read that boys start to lose their bond with their father around mm-hmm. 12 years old. So they tried to counteract this by creating... Really? By kidnapping. <laughs> by creating these artificial bonding experiences, like going on this... Frigid. Were, were you sleepless. cold? Frigid? It was awful. It was just awful. So your view of, of camping is awful, huh? <laughs> Based on one one or two experiences when I was 12, yeah. So can you see yourself doing something like this? Yeah. Could you I'm, drive this? I'm not going to lie. I just texted my wife with a bunch of pictures saying, these people, they don't need a home base. They have everything they need, and they go a few months here, a few months there. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a whole world I didn't know existed, let alone that there were 20 podcasts about it. I mean, you're serious. It's, it's new to you. Yeah, I mean, I see them on so the road. So what do we need but... to do to bring to bring to elevate the... To make a higher profile, yeah, you mean? Yeah. What do you guys need to do? Well, just RVing as a whole. You know, there were half a million RVs sold last year. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And, it, and it costs as much as a house, right? Well, it well it's a bit, you can start in the 15000 up to a little trailer, up to a million. Oh wow, up to a million dollars oh, for easy. an RV. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, easy. Oh, oh man, the rock star bus kind. <laughs> you know, you see him on the road, and when you said that this was an RV campground, is yeah, that what you'd call it? A resort, really, an RV I mean, resort. Have, you know, we have an eighteen-hole golf course. We have pools, two restaurants, tennis. Yeah. tennis you know, so activities. I don't mean to offend you or no. your listeners, but as you must know, a mobile home park has no. a very different meaning yes. to many people. Yeah. Well, that's exactly the point. And that might be part of the this problem. This is an RV lifestyle, and we specifically are in a park like this because it is all RVs and no mobile homes. Oh, I thought they're synonyms, no? No, oh. no, 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 no. Oh, dear. RVs move. Oh, dear. <laughs> Let's start over. <laughs> mobile homes don't have wheels. Oh, I see. Mobile oh, okay. homes, they, they bring them in once, they set them down, and that's the last time I it moves. gotcha. Whereas everybody here is required to have, it has to be licensed to right. go on the road. Right. And it, it can be towed. I Taken other see. places, and most people here. That's one of the things we like about this park because a lot of times where you go, they have a lot of mobile homes, and they are permanent, and you're kind of stuck in between them with your RV. But right. here, this is a real resort, right? Where right. everybody has. I'm clearly going to be one of the most impressive guests <laughs> you've ever had. <laughs> well, it's well, we don't know think about the Tesla. Tell us, about your, tell us about your Tesla. This is an unbelievable experience, well, too. Especially since someday they're going to merge. I mean, clearly. Te- Tesla is... And motorhomes? Yeah. yeah. I mean, Seriously. Well, sure. The, the safety features, the self-drive, the autonomous mm-hmm. features. Mm-hmm. No. I mean, wouldn't you like uh, uh, an RV that could not crash? Yeah. One among us here at this table has, I understand, totaled yes. an RV. Yes, I have. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't going to name names. <laughs> no, they already know. <laughs> yeah, so the Tesla is is the self-drivingest car on the road. I, after two years on the waiting list, I uh, I have a Model 3. And it just, they keep, like monthly, they keep unloading new software updates that makes it better and better and better, uh, especially with the safety and the self-driving yeah. stuff. Now, no car is fully self-driving in the sense that it reads stop signs uh-huh. and stop lights and turns onto side streets for you. It's, oh, really? Yeah. It no, doesn't do that? Mm-mm, no car can do that So yet. urban driving is different? Urban driving is different. It'll do the equivalent of adaptive cruise control. Mm-hmm. You know, stop yeah, and go yeah, traffic yeah, yeah. is fantastic. I love it, yeah. I love it for that. Um, but the, the best you can expect is on the highway. So I'll put on adaptive, adaptive cruise control on the Tesla. I say go 70, mm-hmm. and it's a 55-mile zone. So if somebody in front of me 
is going slowly, slower than mm-hmm. 70, the Tesla will put on its blinker, look behind it, <laughs> and no. change lanes and pass the guy wow. all autonomously without wow. without my doing anything. And then when it gets to the exit, this is the other great thing. This, you know, sometimes an exit ramp is three of them mm-hmm. and a lot yeah, of signs yeah, 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 and yeah. you're panicking. Which one am I supposed to get? That's so, why you have a navigator. <laughs> that's why you have a navigator. What's her hourly rate? Um, Safety. <laughs> Getting there. <laughs> that's right. So the beauty is that it will now know which uh-huh. which ramp to split onto. As long as the GPS really knows. It really knows. and it, it's, No, they don't it, know. Every RVer will tell you. They don't always they know. Don't always well, know. they haven't driven in, in a Tesla RV. Uh-huh. <laughs> but I mean, the GPS just doesn't uh, have the information that we need. It, well, so, I mean, it's never happened to me where mm-hmm. it's lost its way. But if it does, it has See? a special chime that tells you, okay, I'm, I'm about to turn off. Uh-huh. This is you. Uh-huh. So it warns you. Yeah, so it'll, it'll tell you. And so what happens is it, it knows which exit ramp to take, puts on the signal, gets into the correct lane, takes the exit, and slows down. And this is what's so cool. How does it know how fast to take the ramp? Yeah, every, yeah. every ramp is different, yeah, and there isn't cool. a speed limit sign. So the Tesla has collected data from the millions of previous Tesla So your orders. driving habits are, are being monitored. Yep, yep. They're collecting anonymous data. Anonymous. Aggregated anonymous driver data. And they know that, you know, 50,000 Tesla owners Uh under manual control Uh have taken this ramp at 37 miles an hour. Really? So that's how my autonomous car knows how fast to take that ramp. And it's just, it's really brilliant. And then as it approaches the light at the end of the ramp, I hear the three tones. That means I'm done autonomous driving. Oh, at the end of the ramp. Yeah, because because so in side streets it's not it's not self driving apart from the uh-huh, uh-huh. from the yeah. stop and go stuff. So it's really incredibly well thought out. Yes, of course it takes an adjustment uh-huh. for a couple of days where you're not you know blanched in terror. Oh my God, the wheel is turning by itself. The pedals are yeah, moving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but after thing. that it becomes. I mean, what it does is it relieves your brain from focusing on all the minutia of pedals and knobs and wheels and sort of lets you step back and take the larger view of your driving, mm-hmm. the road, your path, how you feel, what other drivers are doing. It frees up your mind to take a To more- wander. I mean, well, come on. You, you can't be focused. Sure, sure. I, I won't lie that Tesla has saved me yeah. a couple times. You know, if I'm fussing with a kid yeah. in the back and yeah. suddenly the car breaks, I'm like, what the hell? Oh, right, some idiot cut in front of me, you know, in the car. And you're okay with Save that. that. As opposed to crashing? No, as opposed to you paying attention and doing it yourself. But no human can do a good job as, the, as the car can. The, the car has 12 cameras. I'm a technology all- guy. I should be buying into this big time. But <laughs> so just- your, your listeners, of course, can't see what I see. Mm-hmm. But you have two eyes, and they're both facing one direction. Yeah. So the car it, has. Yeah, it, that's would, a good be, point. it would be impossible yeah, for you to monitor all the way around yeah. you as you drive, especially in a vehicle this size. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, what have you learned? You're doing a segment here for Sunday morning about podcasting. So, what have you learned? What well, do we know th- about our competitors? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we visited a huge corporate conglomerate podcast uh-huh. network in New York City. Huge, really. Huge, with I mean, 14 individual recording studios, soundproofs, you know, big, huge mics and one-way mirrors. And then we visited you. Yeah. <laughs> That's it? You're the, you're the other end of the spectrum. The yin and the yang. That's right. You're the yang. That's right. So you represent the amateur, the unpaid, yeah. amateur Latin meaning for the love of, yeah. right? Uh-huh. And so we're trying to express the entire range of what podcast Podcasting is uh-huh. to people who have never heard of it, and it was gratifying to me to hear that you go around the country and meet plenty of people who've never heard of podcasts. I think the market is still yet to be saturated, that's for sure. I mean, this is 13 years yeah. since podcasting. And that's, of course, why we started a RVing podcast. I originally was going to do a technology podcast, but that market, you know, there's so many people, tech, well, you know. Yeah. So I just started here because this was a, a second love, that and travel. So that's why we started here, but it's been uphill road to to come to 15,000 downloads, I guess. I don't know. Just took pers- persistence, I guess, is, is what... Is, I think that's a huge market when you consider... A huge mm-hmm. uh, listenership when you consider that you haven't done anything to market it. No. Yeah, you're right. I, I think that's a good point. That's incredible. Yeah, it is something we should be, I, I don't know, proud of. It's just happened. Appreciate. By itself, through, through, word, through word of mouth. Yeah, and I, and I have to say, 
you guys are good podcasters. I mean, there's a lot of really awful stuff out there, but this is a good podcast. You know, as I'm sure you've been told, your rapport is great, and you 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 cut each other off sometimes, but you let the other person take it. You know, which which gives it an even-handed ebb and flow. So, in other words, if I'm talking now, pretend you want to jump in with something. Yeah, okay? So what, I was telling what, you, what, I, what, I had scrambled eggs and bacon. So that's what some people would do. Like, no, I want to finish my thought. So I, I hear yeah. that a lot, and it gets it gets hard to listen to. Well, you can't so understand how, what either person says. Exactly. So how does Gimlet do it? I mean, how, what do they do to have so many podcasts? Well, they don't even bother with a podcast unless it's going to you know, have how an do, audience of millions. How do they know? How do they know that? Well, the two founders come from an NPR background, yeah. and they just—I guess—they have a really good sense, and they also—they also try things, and they abandon shows that oh. aren't getting the numbers. Uh-huh. And of course, it's all a big so advertising. It's, money. it's, it's all money. money. It's money. Yeah, it's big money. Big uh, money. Yeah, I. So is that what's changed? Is this, I mean, I, when we started, there was. No there was no money. I mean, there was Ira Glass. Yeah. In, in, in my experience, that's what happens to all of these formats. You know, the Internet started that way. It was all going to be, it's grassroots. Anyone can have a voice. Uh-huh. And then who runs it now? The big corporations. Uh-huh. And then blogging. You know, it's it's all grassroots. Anyone can have a voice. And now it's all corporate. You know what I mean? And same thing with podcasts. Hmm, I consider it just the opposite. I thought businesses got into it and then other people got into it because it was becoming very popular. Am I, I, I think it, whereas I think podcasting, it seems like it started out grassroots, and then business has said, oh, there's money to be made, I'm going to get into it. I, I think the grassroots tends to start these things, mainly because corporations hold back to see if it's going to be a thing. Yeah. I can remember looking at the podcast most downloaded lists uh-huh. in the late 2000s, and 24 out of 25 of them were individuals. There was Grammar Girl. There was the guy with the curling podcast, like mm-hmm. the sport curling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there were, you know, romance advice podcasts. And then way down there was, you know, This American Life. Really? Now it's just the opposite. Now huh. 24 out of 25 are NBC, ABC, CBS. Name, and name you are, recognize. Yeah, exactly. But you'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just another 15 years. Well, maybe we'll get there. So one last thing I'd like to talk about is uh, mobile tech. Mm-hmm. So you're on the road a lot. We're on the road a lot. Data is always an issue. What do you do? That is an issue. I recommend exactly what you've already done, uh-huh. which is to get yourself a MiFi, a little portable uh-huh. hotspot. Um, it's so expensive. It is really expensive. But you've chosen the mobile lifestyle. You are, you are not in it. Oh, so we just cheap. say to people, just bite the bullet. <laughs> well, I mean, the other, other alternative is, of course, to tether through your phone. So your phone becomes well, a glorified antenna for your laptop, and you are reliant, on, in both cases, on the cellular mm-hmm. data network, which is not great in rural areas, as you know. Uh, and not at all in Montana. <laughs> so, I mean, really, those are your your options. I haven't Wi-Fi. Well, th- they they provide Wi-Fi for you. So the the MiFi converts the cellular signal. Yeah, but into- no, no, I'm talking about Wi-Fi in hotels and campgrounds. Oh, oh, okay. Now, do you rely on that? I do when I'm in a hotel if it's free. <laughs> If it's free, if it's free I, I use the hotel's Wi-Fi. If not, I tether to my phone because it's uh-huh. included in my Because that's the other issue is, is that they, a lot of people like to stream their TV, and so you know you only get 10 gigabytes a month. You yeah. don't, I doubt that you stream. Well, maybe you do. I don't no, know. no, I do. But, but an increasing number of cell companies offer unlimited stuff, especially for video. So Verizon does that. Mm-hmm. T-Mobile does that. So my family's on a thing where it's $40 a month, and it's unlimited everything. Including video and and music downloading. Yes, T-Mobile pioneered that. And oh, it's, it's a T-Mobile, and, and now Verizon to... had to copy them. So it's, it's well, Verizon. It's well, not forty dollars a month. It's forty dollars a month. No, it's not. Open your laptop, dude. I'm, I'm on Verizon Unlimited. <laughs> well, this is for the first phone. This is new. They started this uh, a couple of months ago, and well, that's that's our MiFi. It's on the sixty-five dollar Unlimited. I see. But this is this is for oh, this is a cell phone plan. Sorry. Yeah. And each of these plans offers tethering mm-hmm. as part of part of it. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, so you need to shop around <laughs> and to look carefully. Yeah, things change <laughs> all the time. Because cell is not the same as Wi-Fi, and there's uh, a lot of variability in the plans and, and programs. Choices and competition. Choices. Yeah. That's right. And then, you know, the world will change again 
in the next couple of years when 5G comes out in cities, yes. in cities, where uh, you and I were chatting before yeah. the, the podcast about, about this, and they found these new wavelengths that no one was using right. that they thought was garbage. They thought no one could use it for any kind of wireless anything, but they, who's it, uh, Qualcomm, Qualcomm, their engineers figured out how to use this, but it's very fast and very short range. Yeah, very, so very short have range. Put, I'm talking about feet. Yeah, 500 feet. So yeah. they're going to have to put, in cities, they're going to have to put towers, uh, little boxes on every every, every third building. every third phone pole. Yeah, yeah. that's not good. for our viewers. That's not going to be a viable option. So it, in cities, you will have a twenty times faster connection than what you have now. So it will be faster than what you have at home. Mm-hmm. It'll be faster than what you have at the office. And this is fantastic in cities. In rural areas, they're saying a nine times improvement over 4G. Four, now, over 4G? Yeah, nine times faster. So it's not 20 times faster, but it's still But they still gotta get it to you. They gotta get it I to you. I mean, the me. last mile is a problem. Yeah, <laughs> that's in right. The, in the rural areas. And cell phone, I just don't see that as... That's I right. see the 600 megahertz range as a much more viable... The, the way they're going to do that is, is through a bunch of other improvements that does not include mm-hmm. those former garbage frequencies. Yeah. So, but there, it will be, mean something for everyone. Lots to look forward to in the future. Indeed. So that's great. Indeed. Well, we appreciate you very much uh, stopping in and visiting with us today and being on our podcast. It's will be an exciting uh, to see exactly what happens to our to our listenership. Yeah. And we hope we see you at a campground near us. <laughs> I hope so too. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. I don't know if we've made a convert here or not. I <laughs> I can say to my Tesla, find the closest RV resort. It will, it will find you wherever you are. Well, we will continue to look for David at yes, a campground indeed. near us. Unlikely. In his Tesla, <laughs> if not in an RV. Um, he needs some training. Uh, we appreciate it so much, him spending the day with us. And if you saw the TV show, you know that we went on then to begin recording our next podcast. And we are going to include some of the conversation we had that you may have seen snippets of on the TV show itself. Very good. And this will be exciting because it is made at the beginning of the month rather than now at the end of the month. So after this quick segment, we will be back with an update as to what's going on in our RVing life. We've been to a lot of um, RV shows over the Mm -hmm. years, and I would say that the Tampa one is my favorite. It has a nice mix of new rigs to tour and lots of big buildings with gizmos in it that you didn't know you needed. And what am I looking for now? I'm going to be looking at some exciting things. Oh, what are you buying now? Well, they won't cost too much. Well, we're probably going to get a new tow bar. And I'm looking for stainless steel along the edge. So that our rig looks glitchy in mind. If our rig gets going. Yeah. Right now we have been seriously hampered by a breakdown. A breakdown. We, we moved from our campsite at, toward the beginning of this park to the campsite at the and back of this park. About a mile and a half. <laughs> Can and, you imagine? And we oh. broke down. Overheating. In a mile and a half, ladies and gentlemen. Is that possible? Apparently so. So if so, you had to break down, I guess it's good to break down in your own park yeah. where there is help nearby. So I'm driving down our in-park road, and the engine has this big alarm that comes on, and it says, your engine is overheating. How could you overheat in a mile? And I'm down here at the site waiting for you because I've driven the car and you don't come and you don't come. And I'm thinking, oh, I should have brought my phone with me. I wonder where he is. You didn't have your phone? No, it was with you. And then you finally showed up and told me that we were in deep doo-doo. Well, I did get it here on the second site that we have. And I looked in the back and the... Antifreeze was overflowing, and the engine was hot. And a belt was missing. And, well, I didn't know that at the time. And the fan wasn't running. And why wasn't the fan running? Because the alternator had seized up. What's an alternator? It generates electricity. (gasps) She knows. Oh, my God. So why did this happen to us? I think because it had been sitting for so long. Uh huh. So you always say use it or lose it. And, use it or lose it. And we didn't run the engine before we left for the holidays. So it had, the engine hadn't been run since September. Uh-huh. So that was a long time for it to be idle. And this humidity. But I don't know. I mean, 43,000 miles and the alternator 
craps out on us. Things happen. The good news was that our on-site repair facility got right to us, and after much weeping and gnashing of teeth, the tech got our alternator out and sent it out to be rebuilt. And the person who rebuilt it had to send out to oh. UPS for some extra parts. But that they rebuild it. They don't buy a new one. A new one was $900 for an alternator. So this is a bargain, and right? Only $550. <laughs> RVing is not for Wait, people. Wait, we're, t- we're taking your watch. We're trading it in. <laughs> RVing is not for people who don't have deep pockets, I guess. Oh, boy. I'm waiting to see what the hourly rate's going to be. The guy's been out here three times today. So our remaining problem is that nobody can decide which belt to put in. Uh, the one the they brought size. was too small. You'd think that Cummins, the maker of the engine, would, would know. what to tell them. Yes, exactly. We have the original belt because we found it in our driveway. Ken had driven 10 feet before it <laughs> fell off. Um, but apparently that was not good enough to help. So it must have know. happened right away, obviously. So at the moment, we are here for the duration, hoping that we can go to the Tampa Super Show. But, but we can't take our guests for a ride. What a shame. What a bummer. They've tried. I mean, it's only been 48 hours. Yeah. And, I, and I have to say it's nice to have a repair facility in the park that can actually take care of this on site. I mean, where else do you go where you find that you wouldn't have to move? And one of the problems is, is if you have an RV like ours, it's your house. So if it has to go in for repair, you have to go to a you motel. Have to go, you have to go live in it, live yeah. with it. Yeah. So that's uh, going to be a problem. It isn't a problem because the guy comes right out here to fix it. Well, it took him a day to get it out. Then they rebuilt, they, it. They rebuilt it someplace off-site. And then they got the rebuilt one in, and he spent the afternoon yesterday putting it in. And it's in. But we don't have a... Jeez. <laughs> so we can't start the engine. Big problem, but I'm glad that it happened here. But we're in our site. We're plugged in. We have water. I can still do the laundry and cook. And we have internet. So life is still and you can cook, pretty good. And you can cook, and you can cook. Oh, good. <laughs> now we still have a car. Not, we can go out to eat. Oh, I see. Especially on Tuesday. So she's got, the, she's got the answer for me right away. I'm going to be, it's not Tuesday, is it? Not yet. As all of our listeners know, Tuesday is the, the day man's Ken cooking day. Cooks. The day I cook. So today's what is today? Friday. Oh, Friday. So got a few more days that I can plan avoid. your next menu. Let's see, burgers on the grill. How does that sound? Delish. Delish. Well, now we're back again live at the end of the month, having attended the Tampa Super Show, which we were looking forward to, and we are happy to report, if you couldn't already tell from the, the little bit on the CBS Sunday Morning Show, we did get our alternator fixed, kind of, in the nick but of time, and we're able to take the crew for a ride around our park. Literally seconds before we took that drive that you saw on the video, the repairman was there pounding on it and getting it working, and when you saw me walking in to the rig and sitting down that was the first time we had started it up since the repair and it was the test drive and and it wasn't really fixed (laughs) (laughs) even though we did you did manage to get us to tampa so now we know that we can drive 400 miles on the battery Luckily, it was a new battery that we had replaced last winter. And so the battery shape. will run the engine for quite a while, we found out, because we put it in, apparently, and it worked for a short period of time. I have a very serious ammeter and voltage regulator. What do you voltage mean it's serious? gives you exact readings. It's not just a gauge which says good or bad or a light that comes on when the voltage goes low. Because I have what's called a silver leaf system which monitors a number of parameters on my engine. One of the parameters, of course, is, is uh, battery voltage. And I could see as uh, we were driving on the way to the Super Show, which is about uh, two, two and a half hours from here, that the alternator was being very intermittent. I would get when your batteries are being charged, it's about 3.7 volts, and it would jump down to 12.5 or so, which means that the engine is running off of the batteries. Fortunately, a diesel doesn't have an ignition system, so, well, voltage is critical because you got to run the pumps and the keep the fuel flowing and all that sort of stuff. So it's, it's critical. But it didn't go below a critical voltage because the batteries were fully charged. So we got to Tampa. Okay, we parked, and I... 
And we plugged in, but that, of course, had nothing to do with the batteries that run the engine. That yeah, but only I'm has a little... to do with the batteries that power our home. Uh-huh, so yeah, we have we two sets of batteries. Or heat the water. Yeah, all that um, sort of stuff. But I'm lights. a little surprised, frankly, and I have to verify this, that our charging system for the house batteries doesn't also charge the chassis batteries. So that's unclear. So... If this is unclear to you, you need to understand, if you have a motorhome, that you have two sets of batteries and that they are basically independent of each other. Now, my understanding is the alternator should charge the house batteries and the house batteries should charge the chassis batteries when you're not driving. So anyway, uh, we were there in Tampa, and I had no real way to charge the batteries. If the charger in the in the motorhome doesn't charge them, then that's that's a problem. And you very wisely kept the co-pilot pretty much in the dark. And I knew that <laughs> I always do that. I knew that something was going on, but I didn't really want to know what was going on. Right, it's just too difficult to explain it to her, and then she worries, and she is a worrier. So I was very happy to see that it started to come home. We were at the Tampa Super Show for. For four or five days, very nice uh, conditions, beautiful weather, no rain, sunny, warm. Should we also add that when we left here to go to the Super Show, the slides didn't, no, the jacks didn't come up either? No, we don't want to talk about that. All right. (laughs) (laughs) That might have been operator error. One problem at a time. One problem at a time. So I was very happy to make it back uh, without any real, any problem, other than the fact that the batteries were very discharged when we arrived. So we went up to our local repair guy, and they said, oh, it's probably the uh, voltage regulator or something inside the alternator. So now we have an appointment for the beginning of February, and they're going to take it out and replace the electronic components in the alternator. And unlike last time where we were unable to move at all, we are assuming that we can take the mile-and-a-half drive back to the repair facility and leave our house with them for the entire day, which will be less convenient for us, which far more convenient for them for doing their work. Which is a disadvantage if you have a motorhome, because you it is your house, and so you're going to be living in it. But they tell us they can get this done in one day. So will they be able to do it? Yes. And even if they don't, I can think of more than one occasion when we camped in our motorhome at repair facilities, and once you pull down the shades and turn on the TV, <laughs> you really kind of forget where you are, yeah. and that'll be just fine. So that's that's no big issue. Um, so the Tampa Super Show. We did indeed get a new tow bar. They gave us the show discount price. It kind of amused me. The travel group that we were camped with were all from the great outdoors, this resort. And it seemed like getting your tow bar serviced or refreshed or (laughs) replaced was the thing to do. And uh, Blue Ox, the manufacturer, is on site and extremely popular. One of us, not us, got up at 8 o'clock in the morning. They didn't open until 9 to get in the line for all the people that were scheduling their appointments. And um, if you got an appointment to have your tow bar looked at, you didn't have to take it off your rig. They came to our campsite and replaced the parts that needed replacing. Very convenient. But in our case, our tow bar was too old. It had been on our previous motorhome, and it was time to get a brand new one, which they were happy to do as long as our credit card worked until they came to our rig and couldn't get the old one off. Yeah, so we had it locked on so nobody could steal it. It is a $1,000 gift. And the lock, of course, I don't remove it ever, so it had been on there for four years, and uh, it wouldn't come off. So the repair guy said, oh, this is not really a problem. He went to get a breaker bar, which is ordinarily what you use to get lug nuts, lug nuts off of a, of a car, and it has a, it has a long bar. He put the socket over the lock and twisted it off. So that didn't take much time at all, but, of course, that meant that I had to buy new locks. Oh, yeah. To the tune of 100 bucks. Yeah, that's right. I already <laughs> forgot that part. So now we have all new locks. But in reading uh, a little bit later on somebody's post that they that I read, uh, they talked about the fact that their hitch pin, which is the lock that I had to break off, the hitch pin had broken on their tow bar, and their pickup truck that was being towed by their motorhome became disconnected, and it broke the safety chains. <gasps> 
So it was totally loose. So it was totally loose and went down in the ditch. You know, if you're towing a $30,000, $40,000 car, you don't want to have that sort of stuff happen. So it's good to do the maintenance on your tow bar and make sure that uh, it's up to speed and can handle the capacity. I mean, ours is a 10,000-pound uh, tow bar, and it, we have a 4,800-pound car, so it should be not being taxed, but... Uh, I would say the same thing for the this pickup truck the guy had, too. So, you know, you hear stories about these things, and you don't want it to happen to you. The other thing we were planning on doing at the show was to add some decorative chrome um, items to the bottom of our basement doors. Many of the new coaches have this, and it's kind of helpful to disguise the little nicks and dings you pick up over the years. And we were all ready to have the guy come out and measure them and get them installed until we discovered that the locks on our basement doors are too near the bottom of the doors yes. and there was no room for the chrome bummer this is unbelievable but this is really good we were going to go to iowa to have this installed it was twenty three hundred dollars to have this chrome strip installed along the bottom fascia of our motorhome and we were uh ready to have it happen if we'd driven out to iowa and they would have found this out it would have been a wasted trip so coming to the super show had some benefits for us we were able to get uh, these things and we've also something else we did was our motorhome is quite dark the wood is mahogany looking the floors are dark uh, the basic decor is brown and black and when we keep the shades pulled which you do here in florida it feels like i'm in a funeral parlor sometimes and i have to go get my glasses whenever i'm cooking so i can read the directions and i've been moaning and groaning about this for quite a while and it dawned on me that there are many people at the super show that sell replacement led bulbs and could perhaps there be some that are brighter than the ones we already had we had these installed when we bought the motorhome four years ago and and we made the mistake of going to our next door neighbor who has a Tiffin, Tiffin Phaeton, which is much newer than ours, and the lights in his coach were much brighter than ours. I love them. So the vendor very kindly loaned us <laughs> Another some, nice feature. some bulbs to take back to our motorhome and try them out. And indeed, one of them was significantly brighter. And Ken spent a delightful afternoon <laughs> taking off and 20, how many were there? 23 light fixtures oh and replacing them with these new bulbs. And I should add, that was just in the main part of our motorhome. Yeah. That's not the bedroom or the bathroom. Yeah. Uh, so instead of having fluorescent lights, which motorhomes had for years and our old one had, our new one has, uh, well, these were actually halogen light fixtures, and uh, they've been replaced now with LEDs. LEDs have come a long way in the last four years, and they're much brighter now, even though the same bulb in the same capacity, and of course they generate almost no heat, so that's not really much of an issue. But one of the things that uh, people ask us about is how do you tell about the quality of your motorhome? And one of the things that you look at is to see if the lights are socketed rather than soldered or permanently installed. Many LEDs these days, because they have a, such a long life, and our other ones were still working, they were just dim, and that's a characteristic of LEDs, but you would have a hard time replacing them because they are not in sockets. Sockets cost money, and if you have the least expensive RV or one that is cutting corners, you'll find that it has no sockets, just the, the lights are permanently installed. So one thing to consider is that. So theoretically, if you are a weekend camper that doesn't spend many days in your rig and LEDs generally don't use up a lot of electricity, you might never know the difference. But if you're starting right, to and they spend, last forever. If you're starting to spend quality time in your RV as we do, then it could be well, worth paying extra for. Not only that, but you have this issue that we wanted to replace these because the newer ones are brighter. And who knows, in four years, they might even be brighter. Although I don't think I would want them any brighter. I mean, I can get a tan while I'm in here <laughs> cooking. I don't think so. <laughs> it might be possible. Uh, or, you know, you might want to put uh, different colored ones in. That's another issue. They came, I was surprised they came in three different colors. Warm. Cool and medium? I guess so. We put in the medium ones because they're kind of a halfway. But you don't want them to be that kind of blue light that uh, is kind of off-putting to me. Well, it's a matter of taste. Yes, exactly. They're all and that's why they And that's exactly why they had three. The other thing that I noticed a lot as we crawled in and out of rig after rig after rig, um, besides that my knees were starting to ache, was um, an emphasis on handicapped facilities uh-huh. for RVers. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess as at my advanced age, I'm more 
sensitive to that question, and it was nice to see that uh, the big RV manufacturers were modifying their rigs so that somebody who's pretty much wheelchair-bound or using a walker extensively could get in and out of an RV without further impacting on their knees, as I was, touring them all. Well, uh, Numar has for a number of years been a model that has a lift for a wheelchair, and it's interesting <laughs> that Winnebago now is making also a motorhome that has a lift to bring the wheelchair in and out, and then the wide aisles and the lower countertops for somebody who is disabled. So that's nice to see. You're right. The other thing that Winnebago did that was a surprise to me, maybe I should stop and say, as a general rule, RVs tend to be highly decorated by somebody who has spent a lot of time as a professional decorator, and sometimes they verge on (laughs) bordello in terms of their... um, That's taste. That's taste. And Winnebago, for the first time, had a rig, which probably a lot of people won't like, but it matched my Scandinavian sensibilities. Yeah, I liked it too. Very light, shiny surfaces. um, Not not a lot of fabric, and no, it wasn't woody. It was more plasticky, but it. And because, quality. and because it wasn't highly decorated, it left you with a lot of surfaces that you could then uh-huh. decorate and personalize for yourself. Yeah. Because in our rig, if I put anything up, it just feels like clutter. And um, this rig looks very much like it did the day that it left the Numar factory. And I'm kind of sorry about that. And, of course, that. one of the things that's happened with uh, Winnebago is, is that they purchased the old country coach factory in Oregon. I forget the name of the town, not Bend, but in Oregon, and they have started a new production of diesel pushers out there. And I think that gave them a chance to start fresh and come up with some new ideas and new floor plans. And so I was quite impressed with the Winnebago diesel pusher called the Horizon. The other thing we spent an inordinate amount of time on is the chair problem. I think we must have talked about this in September when we first ascertained how big a problem this really is. But there was a significant significant period of time when RV manufacturers of quality like Numar um, were working to cut the corners because they were being underpriced by so many other manufacturers who maybe were not of as high a quality, and they made a big mistake and started using a very cheap uh, fabric from China as opposed to the more expensive leatherette fabric from uh, Japan w- to cover all of their RV furniture, and the manufacturer of the furniture denied any responsibility for this because they say we made the furniture out of the fabric that the RV manufacturers gave us and I think our manufacturer would go bankrupt if they replaced all of the disintegrating Uh. fabric on all of the RV furniture that's out there now and we are suffering from this as well. So even though the chair that I sit in every day both as a passenger and when we are parked somewhere feels like it is disintegrating beneath me what is really happening is all the fabric is delaminating and peeling. It looks like my chair had a really bad sunburn. We think of Naugahyde as a as kind of a generic term for the fabric that looks like leather. And it's actually supposed to be better than leather. But in fact, uh, Naugahyde is is just a generic name. And the real Naugahyde is good stuff, but the lookalike Naugahyde is not. And for those of us not in the industry, we can't really tell the difference. Until they come apart. (laughs) Exactly. And this is really sad that this chair, the... Naugahyde or the fabric is just dis- disintegrating. No not from where? Own. Not from where? So another factor that you need to consider <laughs> when you're buying a coach is to ask them what kind of fabric is covering the seats, because uh, we're going to have to replace all these seats uh, in in the not too distant future. And for the chair that the passenger sits in, they said this is Flex Steel, by the way, and Flex Steel is a quality company. But Flex Steel said. We just put on the fabric that the RV manufacturer supplies us with. We just make the, the underlying components. So we thought Flex Steel was a very good brand, but and they are, I guess, but they are subject to the kind of fabric that they're supplied with. And we would have been happy to replace my current chair yeah. with a woman who spent a great deal of time with us uh, at the show, educating us about all the ins and outs of this problem. But because there's so many people having this problem, she couldn't get 
guaranteed that the chair would be finished for 10 weeks, 12 weeks, and we're not going to be down here that long. So it looks like we're going to be heading back to Elkhart to get this problem remedied for the moment with just my chair, and then we will have to rob a bank to try to get (laughs) the the rest of the furniture To the tune of $1,600. One chair. They offered us a chance. They said, well, we make the cover for the chair, which is only $700, and then you have to spend $350 to get it installed and the old one removed and the new one installed on the chair. So that's over over $1,000 for the cheapest option. So we just decided to go and get the whole new chair. So this is disappointing. Uh, and, and, I, and you can prepare yourselves for later on the spring when we finally do this, and I will rant <laughs> and rave again. Yeah, because this is going to be an ongoing rant. But my chair is pretty good, I, and we don't know whether it's sun damage or what, but fabric uh, that covers your your seats in your motorhome is very critical and to the longevity because this coach is a 2012 it was built in 2011 so that it's 19 now so we're talking about eight years and the fabric has crapped out on us come on it doesn't use that much because we're not full-timers but that's the way it goes so we talk about alternators what other things we saw at the show? This was interesting. Well, there's always a fun building that has the million-dollar-plus coaches in the it. The Fort Travels and the Prevos. These are highly supervised. Sometimes you have to stand in line to go inside them. They're so popular that they make you take Take, turns, off, take off your shoes. Take off your shoes. And, and one the, of them had the engine compartment wide open for you to admire. <laughs> I didn't look at the insides. <laughs> I looked at the running gear, and I'm around the back. I just talked about replacing our generator, our alternator, on the on the motorhome, and the the Prevo had five alternators connected to various belts in the engine compartment. Five alternators. Ours is a 200 amp alternator, so that was a thousand amps worth of alternator power that the gener- the engine was creating. So, what are they doing with all that power? God only knows. <laughs> so, the bottom line is that they also have installed electric fans for the radiator. So they had a bank of electric fans. I hope to put this picture on the rvnavigator.com episode webpage, uh, the picture of the fans. So they had a bunch of what looked like big muffin fans that you'd find on a computer uh, in front of the radiator. So our engine with a side radiator has a mechanical drive system for the engine fan and so that it has a transmission and it has to go 90 degrees and blah 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 this one had electric fans run by two alternators probably uses about the same amount of power but then it had three additional alternators to run the coach so you could run the air conditioning and all the other stuff inside the coach it was obviously all electric and not have to run the generator i guess I don't know why you would need five alternators, but when I looked back there, I said, wow. So that would have been okay, because if one goes out, you probably have plenty of capacity with the five, four, or others. So the, the RV Super Show in Tampa is very big and very nice, well worth visiting. We like it much better than Hershey, because there's um, plenty of RV show parking and camping. And many, many people were there boondocking. And I think for most people, two days there, which is what you pay for with your ticket, is two days admission, would be plenty. You can go there in your old RV and look around and buy a new RV and drive it home. Or just look around, as we did. We just looked around. We walked into lots of motorhomes, lots of coaches, lots of fifth wheels to see what's going on. Uh, We came away with some interesting impressions uh, that we've given you. I think uh, the, the bees were very big, lots of lots of new bees that were being developed um, and smaller RVs that were more luxurious. Of course the Fort Travel had their new 37 footer as opposed to their usual 45 footer. Uh, Fort Travel of course is one of the premier makers of motorhomes <laughs> and only uh, $700,000 for a 37 footer so that's out of most people's range but they were trying to meet the low end market oh, wow. but there were lots of motorhomes that were less than $100,000 um, and probably some of them had the fl- some of the flaws that we've already mentioned but you know you, you've got to take the good with the bad and you, and you don't get anything unless you pay for it i think except this podcast <laughs> <laughs> as the show went on uh there were some 
RVs that we could no longer go inside because the dealers had put sold signs on the windows. Yes. They always offer special show pricing, which always makes me wonder. Uh, one of our listeners wrote and said they resisted the special show price and ended up with a very similar price yeah. when they finally bought their rig from their uh, more local RV dealer. So there is some salesmanship involved with yes. this show. You have to have your guard up just a bit. The usual complaint that some of the salesmen have never been in an RV in their lives overnight and really don't know what they're talking about. We didn't hear any egregious comments this year as we have in the past, but it's a buyer beware setting. And how long will your residential fridge run on a single battery? No problem. No problem. It'll run for days. Beep. So the things we learn as we become more experienced. Just as a matter of of, uh, interest, we have eight batteries to run our residential fridge. You don't run it very long on a single battery. It just doesn't happen, with or without solar. Anyway, uh, I think uh, we are about ending this podcast. I hope that you've made it through to the end. We very much appreciate all of the new listeners. As we mentioned, uh, we've had over 24,000 downloads of this podcast, of the last month's podcast. We hope that you stick with us. and We hope that you enjoyed a podcast that was not uh, laden with liquor as the one that most of you listened to for the first <laughs> yes. time. Although they might not be able to tell the difference. Who knows? <laughs> we st- I still do not understand why people think that this podcast is funny, but no. I'm glad that you do. I Yes, and we enjoy, we enjoy having your comments uh, coming back to us via email and on our new Facebook page. So please uh, answer the questions and join. Yes, if you've tried to join and haven't gotten an affirmative, it's because you didn't answer the questions. We are we don't on really guard. Care what the answers are. We are on guard against robots. And there's one person who tried to join who, who is from Moscow who Moscow. had who had all of his biographical uh, data in Cyrillic alphabet, which I do not read. And in light of what's going on in the world at the moment, I wondered what that was all about. But if you want to join, just give us some kind of creative answers to those questions, and we would be happy to add you to our group. Yes, indeed. So this month, February, we will be, at the end of this month, we're headed off to Antarctica. Without the RV. Without the RV. So we're planning on making this podcast just a speck early because we will be actually in Antarctica at the change of the month. So you can expect to hear a full report about that in case you haven't realized it already, this podcast covers us both when we're RVing as well as when we're traveling outside the country on various fun and interesting trips. So we have complete descriptions of those. Martha makes a nice blog at mytripjournal.com slash Wiseman. And you can take a look at past RVing adventures if you're looking at Alaska, if you're looking at uh, some of the caravans we've been on, like to Nova Scotia and Labrador, or down to South Africa, or or to, we've been a lot of places. Mm-hmm. Um, New Zealand we did New Zealand. When we plan trips like that, one of my fundamental questions always is, uh, where should I go and how much time should I allow? And I find blogs very helpful to give me an idea of pace what to see. and uh, what to see. And what we've done. We have traveled extensively. Uh, we've been to 93 countries and we've been on over 90 cruises. So we have a, a lot of experience doing this sort of stuff and we're happy to share these adventures with you. We have several more interesting ones coming up that you'll want to hear about. But right now, we just don't have enough time to do more on this on this podcast. So if podcasting is of interest to you and you don't know what podcast to listen to, you might want to go to a website called Top Podcasts, which has featured us this month, but of course has all sorts of podcasts on all sorts of topics. And as they mentioned on CBS Sunday Morning, that there are over 630,000, is it that many? I think so. 630,000 yeah. podcasts, so that if there's a topic that you're interested in, there's somebody talking about it. And maybe you want to start one of your own on a special interest. So with that, we will end up the month and say happy travels and we'll see you at a campground near us. We hope so. Please keep in touch. Bye Bye for now. now.